This episode of Hot Trick Hockey is brought to you by Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald is a senior agent with Allstate Insurance and is proud to call Harrow, Ontario home. He has helped countless clients in the Windsor-Essex County area save money and get the protection they need. Mike's knowledge and drive to succeed gives his customers the best quality care and advice. He prides himself on excellent customer service. Specializing in home and auto insurance, Mike can customize your policy to suit your needs and be your trusted advisor to make sure you and your family are protected. Allstate has many features and benefits, including disappearing deductible, claim satisfaction guarantee, drive-wise, claim forgiveness, ticket forgiveness, and many more. Find out how much you can save. Call 226-773-8275. That's 226-773-8275. Are you in good hands? And what is going on, everybody? It is episode number 70 of Hat Trick Hockey, which is always brought to you by our good friends over at GL Heritage, the official beer of Hat Trick Hockey. Well, Rob, this being said, being episode number 70, it's the Braden Holpe edition of hat trick hockey Braden holpe has been in the league for 12 seasons between washington vancouver now with the dallas stars he's played 496 games 2.58 g j or g goals against average sorry dash one dash one 915 save percentage he's got 35 shutouts 291 wins he's a world cup gold medalist ahl champ he's a vesna winner he's won the uh jennings for the lowest goals against five-time all-star stanley cup champion guys pretty well done at all so that would be Braden holpe bringing rob my boy my line mate rob what's going on brother how was your weekend my weekend it was a tough one um so i'm getting a little sentimental here uh it was uh the anniversary of my dad's passing and uh i had a really tough weekend um sunday sunday was was the anniversary of it and uh not to bring it up uh, my heart attack was on the wednesday on the third so dad passed on the seventh as i came out of the hospital and um yeah uh i miss him every day and I just wanted to give him a shout out. And, uh, you know, there's so many times that I have so many things that I want to talk to him about. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you got, you guys got the thing at Coan park for him too, right? You guys, yeah, got if, if anybody wants to stop by there, it's right next to the playground it's uh, Ken Sawyer Memorial Bench. Uh, we we bought a cement pad. Not we. Uh, everybody that came out to the fundraiser had something to do with it. So it's all of yours. It's all of ours. It's it's all of everybody's. And you know, uh, Dad would love you to stop by and and say hi. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 an it's an amazing thing. It's so much better than going to, you know, a cemetery, right? So, most definitely, yeah, that's sweet though, man. He bent, so I I know I've sat on it at least a couple times. Yeah, I've had uh, quite a few beers on it. You had? Uh, did you have a Meg 
thing on Friday? Yeah, we had, we had an awesome mag meeting and uh, those guys are just, just great. And, and, and the great thing about Joe and Jordan, like they're, they're, they're the main guys that are there all the time, you know, mm-hmm. pump pumps is in Germany. So yeah, yeah. we, we don't uh, complain and bitch about anything. We try and solve world problems <laughs> every week, even just life problems. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd had a, fairly relaxing weekend shall i say uh just my normal weekend hanging out with uh stuff kids and everything like that had hockey sunday boys got another win so we're back in the win column here after a loss and a tie so back in the win column so that's pretty much it oh i want to give uh a big actually shout out to one of the guys on our team we call him scarecrow okay but uh (laughs) he's an absolute beauty this guy absolute beaut lives to play the game of hockey okay uh he's probably i would say he's probably in his 50s or so he's he's pretty sick right now he's in the like hospital and stuff right now so i just want to let him know that the boys are thinking about him he hasn't played with in, in about a month but we're all we're all freaking we're all just just here we want him back with us so we're gonna wish him all the best and the faster he's back with the boys the better so speedy recovery bro so, like yeah. we're, we're all one big family right yeah so big shout out to scarecrow um so we'll get things rolling here before we get into the hockey one of our sponsors eric standell who's an absolute beauty so we're gonna do a little contest it's for our YouTube channel. You have to subscribe to our YouTube channel. So people are gonna say, Well, what if I've already subscribed? That's perfect. Just tell us, just tell us that you have. Okay. So what this is going to be is Eric gave us two seats to the Leafs and Sens in, in, uh, what do they call it now? What's their new arena? Well, not new arena, but what's it called now? It's not ACC. It's, but either way, the game's they're in Toronto. It's a hockey night in Canada game. It's a Saturday game and it's New Year's Day. Lower bowl seats. So trust me, to enter this, we're going to make a little thing on our freaking page. And we're going to say, once you've done that on YouTube, you just come over and you just write to us that you have clicked on it on YouTube. So subscribe there and you're going to write done over here and it's going to be done like that. And that's how it's going to be done. And what we're going to do is we're going to sign everybody a number and then we're going to go on that random website thing. And we're going to put in how many we had and we're going to click a number and whoever's got that number is going to the least and cents. So just so you guys know that will start on Wednesday too, by the way. So we'll make sure that we throw up a post for that. Rob, can I, can I just, I just want to say thank you so much for Eric yeah. for stepping up and hooking us up with this game. Like we, we want to go, <laughs> I was just going to take him. Me and Ant were just going to take him. but like, why, when, you know, like uh, so many of you followers are total buttes and we want to take care of you just as much as you're taking care of us. So hopefully you subscribe and watch 
my beautiful face yeah and ugly mug yeah i mean beautiful face yeah you know like <laughs> it, it, it's all just in good fun yeah so couple beauties couple couple beauties who who like listen to this show you're going to the freaking you're going to the leafs and sends new year's day hockey night in canada lower bowl someone's going to the battle of ontario so who's yeah, it gonna it's going to be a total win on the leafs part uh thanks yeah. drew yep so who's it going to be so we'll get into the hockey talk blackhawks fired their coach they brought in Derek king so Derek king was originally he's actually played 14 years in the league uh he was actually coaching in the ahl so they brought him up coached his first nhl game the other night and they won it in overtime so he got his first win as a head coach i believe it was a someone scored in overtime i'm trying to think who it was but i'm can't, can't, can't well, really quite somebody had to no but i can't think of who it was i was gonna say who it was but i just forget so i'm dash two yeah, yeah, so dash two. so yeah so there was that move did you see uh did you see McDavid's goal? Connor McJeebus? McJesus? Did you see his yeah. goal? Yeah, I did. How ridiculous was that goal? Well, the thing the thing that I thought was the best part of that goal is that he went to go in and cross the blue line and then changed his mind, turned around, got another start at it. Mm -hmm. He didn't like he didn't like what he saw turned around, went back in and just undressed. Yeah. All y'all. There was a point in time where he was standing in the middle of four players. Yeah. <laughs> he was standing in the middle of four players. Little how's she going? Deeks around that at last guy gets around the goal. He has a wide open net, tucks it in. Did you see his face after? I think he shocked himself. Oh, he was given champagne tosses. Boy. Oh, but yeah, but it was like he was, I think he amazed himself on that one. But that was what a goal. I that's probably goal of the year already, I would say. It's do you think it was a big, do you think it was a bigger goal than the one he scored in Toronto? Against Morgan Riley there. Yes. Well, no, it was it was against the Leafs, but yeah, yeah, but it was Morgan Riley that he beat. But I like Morgan Riley, so we can't fucking yeah. chirp up. <laughs> but it was, was my French. But it me. was definitely him that he beat. But I like this one better just because he beat four guys. <laughs> he yeah. only had one on the other one, mind you. It was a guy who's like a top caliber guy in the league, in Morgan Riley, but he undressed four guys. <laughs> And the goal. Yeah, it was. It oh. was well, it was a Connor McJeebus goal. Yeah, you know? what a like, sick uh, goal, man! It's he's. Did you know? Like uh, going back to Chicago, did you know Derek King played for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yes, he did. Okay, just make yeah. sure. Yeah, he did play that. I do remember him there. Yeah, I want to say mid to late nineties. Yeah, Toronto had a couple of kings say. there: uh, Chris King and yeah. uh, Derek King. Yeah. yeah. Also, speaking of big wins. Mm -hmm. And our, uh, who we have on the show today, actually with us, the Windsor Spitfires the other night, I figured, you know, cause I knew we had this like interview coming up. So I'm like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to go in online. I'm going to log in. I'm going to watch the game. So I watching the game. They were playing the eerie otters. Not to interrupt you, but would you say that he is a legend? He is a Spitz legend. 100%. Okay. Absolutely. So 
the boys are down 2-0 going into the third period. They looked a little flat. They looked a little sluggish. Next thing you know, I don't know what Mark said to those guys in the dressing room, but they come out and they were all over him, all over him. And with less than 10 minutes left to go, they tied the game. So they scored twice. And then they got a, they ended up scoring in overtime. So they won it in overtime. So probably within a 13 to 15 minute span, the spit scored three times wow, and ended up coming awesome. out with a win. So it was, a, it was awesome to watch. It was super fun game to watch, but so shout out to those boys. We're, we're going to have to start hanging out with those guys a little bit more there. The spits are hanging out and go watch some games and stuff like that. So we're definitely going to hit those guys up. I can't even wait. I'm geeking out. Should we just go to the interview? I would. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have Spitfire legend, current GM on with us, Mr. Bill Bowler. So guys, enjoy. We were firing questions at him. So enjoy. Here he is, Mr. Bill Bowler. Roll it. Don't Well, Spitfire fans, we have one of the franchise greats with us today. He's played IHL, AHL, little in the NHL. He's spent four years here with the Spits from 91 to 95, where he was captain in his last year. Spent 250 games with the team, 149 goals, 318 assists, 467 points. This man averaged almost two points a game over his OHL career where he now serves as current general manager of the team let's welcome to the show mr bill bowler bill how you doing today buddy real good thanks for having me boys that's quite i that's a lot of stats on you there that's quite the uh freaking career you had there bill yeah we uh real lucky i stayed healthy for four years i was fortunate enough to play four years here for the spits and some good line mates but yeah that was kind of my job of for most of the hockey teams I played for, I was supposed to get some points and I don't know how good of a four checker or back checker or body contact guy, but yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to play some power play in that and generate some scoring chances. So real happy with the numbers. I guess. So you actually started, you, did you grow up in the Toronto area? Cause I seen you were part of the Toronto Red Wings there, right? Where you absolutely tore it up in 90, 91, you had 157 points and 58 of those were goals. Yeah, I'm a Toronto kid, uh, born and raised. <clears throat> in my draft year, I played for the Toronto Red Wings. So, uh, obviously, left that uh, to come here in my rookie year to play in the OHL. But uh, played for a couple different minor hockey organizations. Played a lot of school hockey in Toronto, um, and then obviously made the decision to play in the O. Love it. Did you play in uh, any of the academies, uh, like in high school? No, I actually went to De La Salle. It was uh, an all-boys high school in Toronto. My older brother went there, so it was just uh, something my family thought I should do. Uh, grew up in a little area called East York. Uh, went to a school called Canadian Martyrs. We actually had a, a school team for grades 6, 7, and 8, so I played some school hockey there and then went to, uh, in high school, obviously played junior hockey and senior hockey. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, we had our own hockey arena, De La Salle. Uh, they're actually closing at one of the great rinks downtown Toronto. During gym class, we had hockey. That was part of the uh, curriculum. So there was never, if I was before school, we would be playing street hockey, go to the school, play uh, hockey during gym class, after school, play on the school team, and then race off to my GTHL team. So obviously anybody like me that was uh, involved in hockey back in those days, uh, there was no shortage, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. That's a, tons of hockey going on for you. 
So you so, went through more skates than you went through running shoes. Yeah, well, these, uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously the price of equipment was a little different back then, but no, mom and dad, uh, anytime I needed anything, it was, uh, it was there. And, and I forgot to mention on those very rare off days, we would be out the, at the outdoor rink, DF Park, right down by my house there. Uh, and there was just free pickup hockey um, every night on the outdoor rink. So that's what you did back then. I'm going back a long, a long ways, but um, there was a street hockey game going on after school or before school. And then, like I said, if it was cold enough, we'd be on the outdoor rink when we weren't at a, a scheduled minor hockey game. That's awesome. That's I a great way it. to grow up. Oh, yeah. The way to grow up. Yeah. So leading up to your OHL draft there did you know that it was going to be Windsor or was there a couple other teams that were in on you or like how did all that go down yeah no I, I'll be blatantly honest and people that remember my uh, arrival here and obviously the management at the time my older brother was an NCAA athlete so he went to University of Alabama Huntsville um, I was picked a little later uh, in the OHL draft not knowing exactly what my plans were if I was going to play in the O or not um and by no means that I know Windsor was, uh, I, I think my folks might've, but I really wasn't paying too much attention to that. My, my focus was uh, just being a teenager. And to be quite honest, when I was drafted, I woke up the next morning and my dad told me reading the Toronto Sun that the Windsor Spitfire selected me. So that's, that's the honest truth. Um, I was busy playing hockey and I knew I was in the GTHL at the time. And that's where I was doing fine. And my next progression in hockey would take care of itself I wasn't focused on the OHL or being drafted high I had no agent and the reality is is it wasn't uh, something that I was actually uh, worried about at all and until I finally made the decision to come to the O then I obviously learned a lot about the league and uh, what what my expectations uh, were going to be. Mm -hmm. Was there was there anything that deterred you from going to college in the states? Uh, I just think I was a hockey player and I knew I had, I wanted to play with the best players again, winning. I played in Bantam. We won in all Ontario. I was, I was lucky enough to play on good teams and I was just really worried, not worried, just wanted to play in the best league. And at the time, obviously the OHL was, if you were going to go NCAA or go to school, you had to wait a couple more years, uh, play some junior B or junior A hockey in the GTA. And, um, after meeting Windsor, after coming to training camp, um, knowing that my brother was already going the school route. I was uh, convinced I, I was a hockey player and I can always go to school was eventually was the thought process. And that's why I eventually committed to the spits and came down here to uh, start my OHL career. Mm -hmm. Now, now those, uh, those like uh, training uh, camps then were, a lot different than they are now so did was, did that kind of worry you coming in because you're not like a super huge guy so did that kind of worry you like coming in knowing how everything was in camp no my no we the good thing about having an older brother is not much intimidated you you weren't oh, worried about uh, i played up my during my minor hockey career and like i said i was always on the ice against uh, my brother to 71 so there was never any thought of that and growing up where I grew up and there was never any worries about the OHL totally different animal, obviously back then training camp. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a different style of hockey and um, certain 
the way contracts were uh, offered at that time, training camp was a real legitimate chance to make hockey clubs. So you've seen a lot of competitiveness. You've seen a lot of, uh, let's be quite honest, a, a few more fights than you normally would. But mm -hmm. these were a lot of young men that were trying to make the OHL. And uh, nowadays, it's a, it's a lot different. Contracts and spots are unfortunately given a little too soon. But that's the nature of the business. Uh, players and agents won't obviously let their players stay for longer than uh, the 48 hours. So just a different time. But uh, actually, our training camp was down at the old 80 Knox. And uh, a funny story is I played for training camp. And then I actually left and went home for uh, six or seven days. I forget exactly because I still wasn't sure I was going to be an OHL or wanted to go and play in this league. And at that time, everyone involved with the Spitz thought I was gone and would never come back. But um, I remember speaking with my, my parents and talking to Wayne Maxter, the general manager at the time, and just said, we're just not ready. I just don't know. Let me go home and make that decision. And uh, the reality, like I said, I went home and realized, hey, that's that's the OHL. Those are the best players. Those are NHL picks. And uh, four or five days into the going home, I said, hey, I'll be back. And I forget what day it was. And the rest is history. Mm -hmm. So so now you get to sit down with Wayne Maxner when, when you first get to Windsor and like what can you can you kind of walk us through like what 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 he's talking to you about like that you could use now um, like trying to get you to stay and be a Windsor Spitfire? <clears throat> yeah, no. I've, um, during the summer, the Spitfires selected me late and or in the thirteenth round, but uh, they were offering me a spot, and I think they were well aware of what type of player I was, even though I was selected a little later. Uh, and the reason I think I was selected later and only Wayne Maxner and the scouts can tell you exactly why is they weren't convinced I was going to play in the league. Um, so in, anyways, in the summer, I was kind of told, hey, uh, we'd like to make a commitment to you. You kind of we think you can play in the league. And I still was just not sure what route I was going to choose. And uh, I did promise them I'd come to training camp, which I did. And again, when, when I left, it was uh, it was believed I would never come back. But so those conversations, again, were Wayne Maxner was blatantly honest and uh, said where he thought I fit in. And uh, true to his word, he uh, he gave me an opportunity. And uh, I think I held up my end of the bargain. But uh, the Windsor Spitfires were, were loyal to Bill and uh, did everything they said they would. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that uh, – so you played three seasons with our friend who spoke very – highly of you mr warner todd so todd spoke very highly of you um just how was it when you like met up with him there and did you guys like click right away on the ice because i know you guys were on the same line for a while right yeah it wasn't until our the following year again coming in as a rook well first off todd's a great guy was a great teammate and had a, an amazing career so kind of what i just said a couple minutes ago that you come to training camp and these guys are you know, highly rated NHL picks and him, Corey Stillman. And that's where I thought I belonged and thought I could hang out and, and play with these guys and guys like Todd and uh, all the veterans back then, Kevin McKay, Jason Stoss, all these guys were just great guys, welcomed you in. And it was an easy decision. I knew I'd fit in with them. And um, so obviously, yeah, my first year, I think I, I just gradually uh, found my way. And I think the coaches were a little, uh, I was a little, like, as you said earlier, I wasn't the biggest guy. So I think they, they slowly uh, integrated me into the team. And so I wasn't really on playing with Todd or that till uh, probably second half of the year. And 
the following uh, start of the second year, uh, we kind of played together. But obviously, Todd was an elite player, elite skater, and uh, we played with a lot of good guys back in Windsor. There wasn't a lot of championships, or we didn't win a whole lot, but um, the reality is there's just as many players came out of Windsor back in the day as uh, any other OHL franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's that's originally why we started this podcast was because there's so many good hockey players that come from this area, you know, compared to like the GTA where, where it's such a bigger area. But as for percentage wise, I bet there's more NHLers that come out from this area or AHL, whatever, um, that are just amazing hockey players. Yeah, I, I'm trying to build a hockey club now and to be honest, I don't think there's a right answer where players, they come from everywhere and um, they come from different backgrounds. They come in different shapes, sizes, and uh, and that's the reality. And there's no question if you can play this game and you can uh, keep developing it, regardless if you're from the GTA or some small town in Blenheim like Todd Warner, it doesn't, it, they come from all over. And again, it, it does, there's no right hockey player. Um you know, maybe back in the day, and Eric Lindros, he's a freak. He can hit, score, shoot, fight, back check. But again, to find a guy like that is almost impossible. It's impossible. I, I don't know another guy. And so every player is a little different. And um, I've instructed, and our scouts know that, that they don't all look the same. We're all striving to find that perfect player. That's uh, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, but uh, good luck finding those guys. They come along every 50 years. So um, <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter where you come from. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that is definitely true. I love asking guys, what was it like just going into that old barn night in and night out and playing in that old barn? Because you guys would have sellout crowds every Thursday. It was just packed in there. So how was that? You can't, like, I, it's hard to explain like you are even talking about 80 Knox arena training camp. Like you try to tell a story that what happened and the amount of fights and the energy in the building. And so, yeah, Thursday night at Windsor arena. And I love the fact that your TV can show some of the games and you can see some of the, the fans right over top of you. And the, like, again, they were part of the game, the passion and literally exchanging words with players and referees hanging over the glass. It was just, it was hilarious. And I, I recently just, shared a story just walking out from the locker room there was no barriers you literally walked through fans and talked to them and they yelled at you good things bad things and you got to do this got a lot of good advice there on the way to the rink under the uh from the locker room but an amazing arena if somehow we could replicate these you know it's just impossible you need the nice new facilities but to get that type of uh atmosphere and you hear it all the time even at the nhl building chicago stadiums boston garden all these mm-hmm. it's just and windsor arena was obviously we're biased but the buzz on a thursday night and the <laughs> the opposition or the opponent coming in it was ridiculous it was absolutely a blast uh, and i'd do anything to go back and just experience those those nights that you just had so much fun and watching guys whether it was a big goal or a big fight it was the, the fans were we're just involved and it's, you know, we're trying here Thursday nights here at the WFCU and it's just a different world we live in. But if we could somehow get some of that energy back, my God, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so by the end of uh, your fourth year in Windsor, how many packs of secondhand smoke do you think you were up to? 
<laughs> yeah, uh, that and the exhaust from the buses out front of the locker room. So I had the first stall in the change room, and literally the door they had because there was no air condition. Like the door was open, and Wyandotte, the road and the bus, the fumes were literally coming out the back of the bus to my stall. The well, there's a stop were, right there, right? Yeah, and they were all smoking in the in where the bar lounge was. Again, we literally walked through it to get to the rink. And then anybody that needed some fresh air, they just blew their smoke back into our locker room. So yeah, different times. But uh, like I said, I wouldn't change a thing. And if I, if we could somehow get some of that back, I don't know if I need the secondhand smoke, but if I could have uh, that type of energy, I welcome it back so our players could experience it. Oh, well, the, the only the only thing that ever cleared the smoke out is when you guys came out for like you know you, you do your laps or whatever and then the smoke would rise rise to this the rafters again right and then you could see the rink mm -hmm. no, great like i said the things those fans sitting at the far end there the north end literally right over top of the goalie uh the poor visiting team coming out of that end what they had the abuse they took uh, verbally and uh, oh. whatever it, it was just a fun fun place and knowing a lot of people that you play against and even though you're on the uh, visiting squad it's it's they still tell great stories of Windsor Arena so it is what it is it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we we lose some of that but uh, mm. anyways we have great memories that's for sure yeah oh yeah I, lo I loved it my, my grandma was a billet and, and for years and I I'll rem always remember she sat <laughs> in the uh, south end of the arena right where you walked in the the big doors and you came right in, uh, you, so she would have been uh, left to the goalie, uh, the the home end. And I remember always looking down and seeing that lady with all the buttons and the, the cowbell, you know, like it was, <laughs> it was just fantastic. Like all those memories and walking in there, smelling the vinegar for the French fries and everything. It was fantastic. 100%. Oh, yeah. Those are the smells. Rob, do you have any more Windsor stuff for him? Because we're going to kind of move on with his. Uh, oh, yeah. Thing I got a whole bunch of Windsor stuff. Well, for ask him, him <laughs> ask him one more and then we're going to move on because then we still want to talk about this year's team with him as well. So, yeah. So, so you also played with a gentleman by the name of uh, Denny Purdy. I did. And, and <laughs> if, if there was one word to explain Denny Purdy, what would it be? He's like, oh boy. <laughs> wow. No, Dan wow. was a great player. Could score, hit, fight. He was a, uh, no, Purge was a great guy and he was traded from the London Knights. I'm sure you guys all know this, but. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think our fans took a while to welcome uh, Purge. And if I remember correctly, I think he scored an overtime winner and. Uh, let the fans know it in, in a not so nice way that he, <laughs> he wanted more support. So yeah. <laughs> if you ever get him back on, he'll share the story. But uh, one of the funnier uh, stories of Windsor Arena, and like I said, the, I've got four years of stories that uh, off air I, I can share, but only if uh, guys like Dennis uh, allow me to. <laughs> we'll have to do because that one he day never, when Robin he never right. told us that story Todd Warner told yeah, us that story an overtime winner and he let our fans know oh, yeah. 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 he was he was he was high-fiving everybody on the way out of the building <laughs> and never played again yeah that was nuts it was a great story and uh, another another guy that we had on here uh Dave Green uh he said fantastic things about you i just i i was just saw uh, talking to him or texting him earlier today and uh he had nothing but good things to say about you 
you know, Greener was a, a great guy. Again, uh, when you look back at OHL and it's about opportunity and the reality is, is we deal with it every day now and every hockey team at every level. And uh, yeah, Greener, again, I think uh, maybe deserved a little more than he got here in Windsor, but it is what it is and uh, a real good teammate. Yeah, awesome. Bill, one thing too I noticed as well is when you left um, Windsor when you were done, you went into the IHL, you played in Las Vegas. And you obviously went there. You never missed a step. You scored 31 your first year there. Like, how was it playing in Vegas? And how was it? Was there any bit of a of a change from like OHL into the IHL? Or was it kind of the same? Well, again, I played an overage year. Uh, so after my third year, I was offered a contract and I could have turned pro after my third year in junior. And the reality was I just didn't, the contract didn't make sense. Uh, so halfway through my overage year, Vegas offered me a contract. And uh, the thinking at the time was I, I still knew I was playing in the minors and I knew it just made sense. So uh, after we got eliminated in my last year, uh, Vegas brought me down just to kind of get used to the team and actually got in one game, played a couple shifts. But uh, believe it or not, I think that really helped me to say, okay, these are men. This is a men's league. These are elite, elite players. Most of the guys had NHL experience. And back then, the IHL, without a doubt, was the second best league in the world. And so for me, it was just a, it made the most sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I was lucky that way. Physically, I was now uh, 20 years old and becoming 21. And so I came in and played on a real high-end hockey club and continued to get uh, some points. But um, playing in Vegas, I think... Uh, was, might have been the best time of my life. Uh, playing in the NHL was awesome, but the first pro experience playing in Las Vegas, back then we'd get eh, eight to 10,000 people at a game. Uh, the support we got back in Vegas back in 95 was just insane. Um, and again, now that's, I moved away. I'm living on my own. I'm living in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a young guy. Yeah, there, it was- uh, I was, was going to say, that probably sucked, eh? <laughs> and then, yeah, you can't, you can't. I wish, and that was when Vegas was before Vegas. Vegas now is a, it's a metropolitan city that's back then it had a little still Vegas flair and um, absolute blast. I would, it was an amazing time with amazing teammates, and I had a bit of success too, so it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Beauty, Rob, do you have any? You're just over there smiling, so I know you're. No, no, I still had a whole bunch of Spitfire questions. Here, hold on. It's okay. Let me go to Vegas. So I get there, like I said, you just go to Las Vegas, and I've never been to Nevada, let alone Las Vegas. And I leave Windsor, and I get on a plane, and they could have got me a better flight. I remember I had four layovers. I ate more peanuts on Southwest than I needed, and I get there, and I'm checking into a hotel in a casino, and I got guys picking me up, and it's I'm on Las Vegas Boulevard, and going to play ice hockey it was just insane it was absolutely mm -hmm. insanity um and again it helped me because at the end of my OA year I got to see what was going on in Vegas so when I came back in late August early September I had a nice uh, a condo uh, off the strip and it, it made the transition easy easier let's say um because there were a ton of distractions but great distractions um there was no every time you left the rink you were having a blast whether you were going out for a nice meal or gambling or hanging out at uh, some nice establishments. It was a lot of fun. Mm. 
Now, was 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 there anybody that like kind of took you under your under their wing as you come into Vegas and you know kind of showing you the ropes of you know you're you're a young kid you could get lost there right so <clears throat> yeah similar to Windsor you all the guys like it's like anything you 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 get acclimated or you fit in whether you do or don't and I was lucky that yeah I was I had no problem hanging out with the guys and uh, fitting in so. At the time, guys like Patrice Lefebvre, Ken Quinney, um, these guys were elite players. Darcy Lowen, I can go on. The, the team was, uh, we had an amazing hockey club. Like uh, most goals ever scored, I think, in the IHL. And um, Gila Rose, just to name a few. And uh, Greg Hoggood. Um, and then the other rookie at the time, uh, Ruslan Soleil, who went on oh. to have an amazing NHL career. Yeah. Uh, he was a rookie with me. And so we kind of got along early in our, our careers and uh, Curtis Joseph came down to play that year during the lockout, Pokey Reddick. So I could go on and on, but yeah, it wasn't hard to, to find a friend in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, I bet. Jeez. Cause like you, you had, you had, you had a, uh, the, what's his name? Jeff, Jeff Ricard. I missed Jeff. I apologize. Jeff worked with Sudbury. Yeah, no, the whole group, like I said, we had guys come in and out and just, Every, especially OHL guys, you automatically have a bond there immediately when you get to any new team. But yeah, no, Jeff was great to to me and to all his teammates. Well, he had three hundred and three penalty minutes in that season that year down there. Like, it's insane. I think you had another guy on the team that had four four something. Yeah, no, it was it was like I said, we talked about Windsor Arena, the IHL at that time going to the Thomas and Mack Center in, in Las Vegas, it was a show. And if we weren't scoring goals, we had guys that were fighting, beating up. Like, it was insane. It was the most fun. The fans loved it. And to be honest, that's the reason why there's an NHL team there. Guys like uh, Jeff Riccardi, Sasha Lakovic, Patrice Lefebvre. These guys are honestly why. Patrice Lefebvre, do yourself a favor. Look up his numbers. See his stats. Uh, only got two games in the NHL, but absolutely insane. Uh, Greg Hoggood most points in the Western league as a defenseman. He has some crazy records. I came in at the time, uh, just a real high powered offense, Sergei Zoltuk, just a real good hockey team that, like I said, under Bob Strum and Chris McSorley, if we weren't scoring goals, uh, somebody was entertaining you some other way. That's awesome. That would be awesome. I seen that you had, uh, you had nine games in a show with Columbus, correct? Yeah. So I seen you had a few, you had uh, two assists in those nine games. Do you remember where your first NHL point was? Uh, I don't, to be honest, I, 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 I want to say Los Angeles, but I'm not sure. I think I should have had more again. I couldn't shoot. So I had to pass. So I needed somebody to put it in for me, but um, yeah, no, it was obviously a great experience. And uh, just like anything, if you play, I, I remember some, a couple games, I felt a part of the game. Other times you were limited with your minutes, similar to the Dave Green or even young players on my team this year. If you, if you don't get the chance, you don't get the opportunity. Um, it's hard to put up points, but like anything, you, you work for your own opportunities and, uh, there's no blaming here. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I want to say LA was the first, my first point or maybe St. Louis. I forget. Either way, two good cities. Great cities. <laughs> um, I also seen that you you played in. Did you play in Germany too for for a stint there? 
Yeah. Didn't you, and you won a championship there, didn't you? I did. How was your time over there? I talk about Las Vegas, and I'm I honestly uh, playing in Krefeld in the DAL was an amazing time. I'm glad I, I stuck it out in the American League and the IHL because I got to play in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is if I left junior and went to Europe, I think physically I'd feel better. Um, and financially, I'd probably be a little better off too. But Germany was an amazing. I won a championship under Butch Boring. Um, just the lifestyle, everything. And again, at that time, the DAL was an amazing league. It might have been... It was just, again, elite, elite players. Uh, Christian Erhoff was a young guy on our team at the time. I was one of the youngest imports. Uh, I want to say we had 11 Canadians over there at the time. And I was one of the youngest Canadians, and I think I had the fewest amount of NHL games. So our, our the players were, again, they weren't NH- this was at the end of their career, so they weren't NHL stars or anything by that means. Having said that, it was real good hockey. It was uh, and just a ton of fun. So... My time in Germany, I again, I I'd never been to Europe. So the fact that I was lucky to go over there and I knew this wasn't the end of my career. I actually had to get an extension on my uh, insurance because I knew I couldn't skate anymore. So it, it was just an amazing way to end my career, knowing that um, we won a championship. And, uh, you know, it was looking back, uh, that group of guys, if I seen them today, it was just for two months there, we really bonded and, found a way to win because at the time I think we were in seventh place snuck into the playoffs and then went on a a magical run uh, and it was an amazing time and the celebration and I talk about Las Vegas when I was young but the uh, championship parade and that again I I would rival anybody it was just an amazing time over hundreds of thousands of people lining the streets of Krefeld uh, just having an amazing party and I I have some uh, some books and some history at my house that uh, to remember those times and different posters and that. And it was an amazing time. Uh, Germany was, I'd go back in a heartbeat. Love it. Yeah. We, we have a great friend of ours, a uh, great friend of the show, uh, Matt Pumple, who's yeah. over in Germany right now. And he said, I'm just loving it. He's just loving it. He goes, there's the, the fans are the craziest. Uh, they have uh, like like plunger hats and like it, it's 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 unreal how 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 involved they get in the game. But but if if we could go back just a little bit there, Bill, um, what where were you when you got the call up to come up to uh, the NHL? Like what what how that how that come about? I was in Syracuse and uh, having a decent year there. Uh, again, I was a point guy, so I was a, you know that was my job. Sorry, I obviously played other killed penalties and that but um I think I was doing okay and then uh New Jersey I remember my first game was in New Jersey I got a call and uh and just said hey the, the Blue Jackets uh, want you to come up and play in New Jersey and again it was a whirlwind long day and uh got to the rink a little later than you normally would but again just a great experience and stepping on NHL life for the first time was was absolutely a dream come true and it, a long time waiting. I was a little older than I thought. And um, it was something that eventually happened that you can just kind of make a check mark. I did that. Um, even though you think during your OHL career, you may have thought it could have happened sooner. Um, I was not going to let this not happen. So I, I kind of stayed the course. And um, before I got to Syracuse or the American League and signed with Columbus, 
there were other times where I thought I should have or maybe thought I had a chance to to play in the league and after my first year in Vegas the Boston Bruins and uh, without going into too much detail so when it eventually did happen it was a real proud moment uh, for my family and myself 100 mm -hmm. awesome that's so cool did did you have to do the rookie lap no they didn't have that back then or I don't even I'm, I think I was late for warm-up I got a terrible <laughs> memory honestly the flight coming into Newark was backed up and but it's more importantly let's go back to Germany there and I just want to share this you talked about the fans and you, if the game was at seven o'clock, you got there at five o'clock, it was already, the crowd was full. They were already singing, chanting, and you're just coming in with your coffee to get two hours to stretch and get ready. And they were already in game mode at two hours before the game, singing, waiting for you guys to come out. Amazing, fun, fun place, Germany. That's awesome. That's that is incredible. crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Two yeah. hours early. Wow. I, honestly, full, just waiting for the fan, waiting for the game to start. Kind of like the soccer again here in North America. We don't obviously some tailgating in America is a little different, but European soccer and then the European hockey, it's uh, they seem to enjoy themselves a little more than us over here in Canada. Mm -hmm. they, they like the beer just as much as we do. Oh, I think they like it a little more. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's hilarious. great. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so did you know once you? you were all done and everything did you know that you would want to jump right into like you were a coach you were a general like manager all that stuff did you know that you wanted to do all that stuff right away or were you planning on like having some time off or was it just like okay let's go let's get this rocking well my career came to an abrupt end um so you i don't know if i was prepared properly for life after hockey uh, and so the rea reality is, is that's all you knew. And that's unfortunately most hockey players, because we leave 15, 16, we play hockey, we're focused, we train, we, we don't necessarily, uh, and we're doing a better job with our players this now in the Ontario Hockey League, and I think in general. Um, so to answer your question, I, at the time when my career came to an end, I kind of, this was all I knew. And so I better get into coaching and, um, and that's kind of what I did. Um, not uh, thinking I needed uh, or deserved anything. I actually went back into minor hockey to try to learn how to be a coach. And um, I was deciding what to do with my life. And then eventually, like I said, I got into coaching. And then a year or two later, I got a call from the Windsor Spitfires and the rest is history there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you first came in, it was Don Mills, right? Is where you coach? Yeah, so I was done playing. And uh, my dad was the general manager of the Don Mills Flyers, the entire organization. And um, the midget program needed a hand, so I kind of helped out and then uh, realized that I enjoyed it. So I decided to be the uh, take over the team and be the head coach of the the, the hockey club and um, built a hockey club. And it was uh, an amazing time with for obviously the team, but for me too, just to get, learn how to coach, learn how to manage a hockey team. And again, I, I think people take it for granted that uh, whether you're running a peewee team to manage 16 players and families and budgets and uh, all that practices and that it's a it's a great learning curve just and so that was an amazing thing we uh, ended up going to the TELUS cup and losing in the semifinals. but again for a bunch of midget hockey players out of Toronto to be how we were on TSN and why our game was televised uh, back then I don't know but again for a bunch of midget hockey players and midget coaches it was a lot of fun uh, 
and to think at the start of the year that we would be the third or fourth best team in the country uh, was, a, was a great thing. And like I said, from there, it led to the Windsor Spitfire. So to all those kids, and a lot of those kids went on to play some uh, Canadian University and some OHL and Quebec League. It was uh, a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So like, like say, um, going back, like, like who, who were like you, you've, you've played for some really good coaches like uh, Kevin Hamlin, Perpich, Wayne Maxner, you know, just to name a few, like, I, I, I'm not, I can't remember the, the coaches when you got to the eye, but these are the, the most um, uh, inspirational coaches, like to get you where you need to go. How, how much of an influence were they on you uh, growing up? You know, obviously you take a lot from everybody. Uh, my minor hockey coaches, OHL, I, I might lead the league in coaches in the OHL. During the Windsor Spitfires, 91 to 95, we would seem to go through a lot of coaches. There wasn't a lot of continuity, but uh, I'm joking kind of that, you know, so we take the positives of all the coaches and then things that I didn't like as a player that certain coaches did. I vowed never to do that to my team or my players. And, and that led to being a general manager too. There's just a certain way you want to do things. It's, I'm not saying the way I do them is right, but this is how we do things. And, and again, similar to what I said about players, they come in different shapes and sizes and so does running a hockey club. There's no right way to build a team, in my opinion. And I wear a hat and a blue shirt and the other guy wears a white hat and a red shirt. Like there's no right thing here. So I took a lot out of everyone um, in my minor hockey or in the American League and in the IHL. I, I played for Dave Tippett in Houston. I played for Randy Carlisle in Winnipeg. Some real quality guys that obviously went on to Stanley Cups and uh, had still have a ton of success at the NHL level. So uh, where I am today, I really, I think my time with the Manitoba Moose is how um, the way they handled their players and their staff is something I try to replicate. Just amazing people. The ownership was Mark Chipman. And I think anyone involved in hockey still knows he owns the Winnipeg Jets and came out recently and, and spoke on some different issues and just an amazing man that, was like was again I respect been, being in hockey for a long long time and um, when I see guys like Mark Chipman or the current ownership with Brian Stephen and uh, John Savage these they're, they're few and far between these are quality human beings that uh, you really love working for and um, so again I took a lot from my time with the Manitoba Moose with uh, Randy Carlisle and Mark Chipman mm -hmm. that's awesome mm -hmm. awesome hey was it was it 2019, 20, you became general manager there, wasn't it? Like just because you did VP of hockey operations. Do you still, do you still have that too? Or are you just like just straight up general manager now? No, I'm the general manager, vice president. So yes, I, if, it was very important for me to, similar to what I said about back coaching and minor hockey learning, uh, I was very lucky that uh, previous ownership allowed me to learn the business and so I took a, a role as VP on the business side and kind of tried to understand the whole operation and uh, everyone that worked here before me and uh, was extremely open and allowed me to, to try to learn as much as I can to, to be better at my job. And, um, you know, experience, there's something has to be said for that. And uh, even though we think we're ready, um, the fact is to get that repetition and to see things uh, prior to having to make those decisions, I think was huge for me. And 
So learning both sides of the business is, uh, was so beneficial. And, it, you know, uh, hopefully it, it shows by some of the decisions we're making now uh, for the hockey club, both on and off the ice. Very smart. Now, did, did you uh, uh, apply for the job or did somebody call you and say, hey, why don't you come in for an interview, blah, 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 whatever? Uh, like, how, how did that work out? Well, back in the day, um, I was, I coached the hockey club, I forget when, um, as an assistant coach. And then uh, I had a family, young, three young kids and my wife. And so I had to kind of get out of the coaching role. Uh, just to support my family. And I made a decision there. Having said that, I still stayed in the game. Uh, I still do skill development. I still uh, was coaching minor hockey just to keep my hand in it because one, I, I thought I may return one day and two, I just enjoyed it. So uh, it led me to get some, uh, to be the general manager of the Chatham Maroons uh, and coach uh, of the junior B loop. And then uh, I was kind of done there. And then the LaSalle Vipers called um, there, an opening came up and uh, I started working for that club and they were an affiliate of the Windsor Spitfires. And then obviously my relationship with Bob Bugner and Warren Reichel and Peter Dobrich, there was a strong relationship there from my coaching time with them uh, and coaching with Bob Bugner that uh, I took over the Vipers and it just kind of that affiliation and the synergy there over the years led me to uh, a more prominent role with the Windsor Spitfires. And now seven, eight years into it, it it's led me to here. So did I get an interview? Did I uh, apply for the job? Yes, no, uh, all the above, but uh, it's been a long time uh, getting to know one another and eventually uh, you'd have to talk to ownership, but they made that decision to to allow me to be very fortunate and get this position. It's a lot of, a lot of beer meetings, eh? There you go. <laughs> um, I, I was actually watching the game on, uh, on Saturday night where you guys had Erie in town. Right. And uh, you guys were down, I believe, 2-0 going into the third. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, boom. Like, the boys just started buzzing. They were snapping it around. It was like, they looked fantastic. So, they ended up going into overtime, and then they won it. It was uh, Wyatt Johnson, right, with the overtime winner. You had to have been so happy to see that, right? Because they started a little flat, but then all of a sudden, it was just boom. Yeah, no, you can't. Again, the change, the mood for this whole week now has changed. You know, if you lose that game and that's a team we think we should win, you're at home. Um, so, no, for that game, again, 10 minutes left, 2 nothing. we're losing. They're on the power play. Um, we're in the offensive zone for a face-off. And <clears throat> Ryan Abraham wins a drawback to Will Cooley. Hard snapper, it's 2-1. to one. Like, again, if you're the Erie Otters, that's a backbreaker. Um, you're on the power play. You give up a shorty, and then I think it was 10 seconds later, it's 2-2. Two, two. And then just a, a pretty impressive individual effort in overtime. So mm -hmm. to try to explain why you win and lose, I don't think anyone's that smart. Um, we've outplayed tons of hockey clubs, run into hot goaltenders, but uh, why we came back and won that game, I'm not sure. The key for us is the process and just over time, good things will happen. And uh, on any given night, game in and game out, stuff happens. And uh, no doubt we're going to take that win and run. And hopefully uh, Friday night in Sarnia, we'll, we'll get the two points, but it'll, it'll look a little prettier and we'll play a complete game. Yeah, that was an awesome game to watch. Yeah. Okay, so I got a question for you. I know I haven't had many, but <laughs> this one, this one's a good one. Uh, so you, you have so many uh, resources at 
the, your fingertips to come up with uh, the coach that you've picked uh, in Savard. Now, like, there were so many things that were like, we, we, we hang out and we do things and we talk about, Oh, we're, it's going to be Todd Warner. Oh, it's going to be Kevin Hamlin. Oh, yeah, we threw be... so many names out there. Yeah, we like, thought it, it would just, be <laughs> just shooting the crap about it. But Savard was never uh, no. on the radar. Like, nope. uh, um, uh, Kevin Miller, um, you know, like there was, there was so many, how did you end up, uh, hooking up with Savard? Uh, well, to name the, some of the names you just mentioned are all quality guys that can coach in our league. There's no doubt. Um, this is the Ontario Hockey League. There's this is a pretty prestigious league that we get a lot of resumes and a lot of people want to be a part of this league. More importantly, as I mentioned earlier about ownership and the Windsor Spitfires is a place that a lot of people would love to work. And uh, that's the culture and environment we're trying to put in, whether it's players, my staff, the hockey department, excuse me, our sales staff. This is a real good place to work and play. So uh, a number of people uh, were involved or uh, put their name forth. And the reality is, was after the first time I met Mark, uh, I just, there was something there that made me think uh, this guy can be a good coach one day. And looking at his pedigree as a player, um, and if he gives that commitment, which I believe he is, and that drive and desire to, to be a coach, I think we have a, a gem here and a guy that's going to be an elite coach in our league. Um, but to be honest, it's just a, a, an initial phone call slash uh, uh, emails and a, a secondary person to introduce Mark to me and said he'd like to do this. And Mark's been trying to get back in the coaching ranks or into this league for a, num for a while here. And again, just the first interview and the first conversation, uh, OHL scoring leader, OHL champion, uh, NHL all-star, et cetera, et cetera. And then talking to him, I thought, okay, the guy knows a bit about ice hockey. Now let's see if he can coach. Mm -hmm. And then the, that conversation led to another conversation, which led to him, obviously us naming him coach. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Either way, awesome pick, <laughs> but it just yeah. threw us for a loop because it was like I said, we had mentioned so many guys, and it was just it was we were like Mark Savard. We're like we didn't well, we didn't think of him obviously, but he's every time I have an interview, I'll send it to you guys or an email comes in. But no, I get inundated <laughs> with requests to or, you know opportunities when they come, and honestly, the names you mentioned and there's other guys that. Like I said, Mark, I'm guessing we'll go to the NHL one day. So a lot of those names that were, will, will resurface and there's quality coaches and they come in different ways. Again, Mark hasn't coached in our league. Um, he was doing work with the St. Louis Blues. And so again, uh, to make a decision like that, like anything, you could game, grab a guy from the OHL that has experience, but then he doesn't have the pedigree or the maybe the NHL like experience that mark has that might be beneficial to share with the players eventually mm. so at the right time i think mark will be an elite coach in our league um and that's kind of why the decision was made and uh, so far uh, i've been extremely pleased and happy with how mark's getting uh, acclimated with the staff that he uh, inherited and the players that he inherited it's mm. uh, like anything it takes time and uh, i'm extremely confident that uh, mark's the right man for this job 
for he sure. Rocked. I I personally would have went with Todd Warner because he's got great <laughs> hair and he's a dad rocket. So that, that's that's where my my Rob's two reasons, not even <laughs> hockey related. It's not even I hockey. Not argue either one of those points. <laughs> Um, do you guys have any guys on the radar for the world juniors at all? Um, yeah, Wyatt Johnson, who's, he's only in 03, but, uh, he's been invited to, obviously he was at the Helenka in Dallas a couple months ago there and performed extremely well for Canada. And then of course, uh, our second round New York Ranger, Will Cooley, um, has been a hockey Canada participant. So yeah, hockey Canada has been out watching some of our games and, um, Obviously, those are tough decisions to make for for Team Canada. There's a lot of uh, quality players to pick from, but for the, for the World Junior team, uh, those two names have been uh, have been brought up. Good, I love World Juniors, man. It's my favorite time of year. So such good hockey. It is fantastic. <clears throat> so so uh, when you when you were back playing, um, and you know you you score your goals and do your stuff and and uh you get to hear the horn right so if if you if you went back and you could change the horn to a song what would what would your song have been oh, <laughs> this get this one gets everybody bill it gets everybody it have to be some kind of rap again i was some toronto punk coming to toronto i had bell bottoms on when i came in and I remember walking into Windsor Arena and the GM and all my teammates were like, what's going on with your outfit, buddy? Uh, <laughs> I had my hat on backwards. My, Wayne Maxter told me to turn it around. I almost cried when he said, what? I, I didn't understand that I wasn't allowed to wear my hat backwards. So uh, maybe some Beastie Boys or something, something nice. old school like that, nice. if I had to. But again, I didn't score enough goals. It would be on an assist. I, I got a few assists, so that's probably where I'd... It'd be a remix. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm all Rob. Do you have anything else for him? I'm yeah, tapping. I got, I got, I got at least two more. Okay, so, go. so, um, how, how do you feel about the players being able to dress down like casual? Like, are you okay with that? Or, or do you want to see the boys come in at in suits and dress in professional play professional, be professional? Great question. Uh, I'm kind of open. Again, I, I don't think it matters in a sense, whatever you decide again. And I just brought up the story about me, how I dress, how that affects my competitiveness or whether or not I'm going to try for a hockey game. Uh, I don't know if that has any bearing on what I wear. Having said that, it is a uniform, just like when you're on the ice, if it's just uh, making sure that there is some professional. And so I'm kind of torn. I think uh, we don't want you looking like a slob, but again, uh, we're all individuals and some guys wear hats. Some guys have long hair. So some guys have beards, others don't. So I'm more that way. Let people be who they are. If I had to make a decision on that, I would, so long as you're uh, not embarrassing uh, yourself or the hockey club, uh, wear whatever the heck you want. Nice. Love it. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my last question is I, I had this set up too. Um, so being, how, how does it feel to be the all-time points leader for the Windsor Spitfires? Yeah, that's a, it's a proud moment, uh, a proud accomplishment. Um, I was, as I said, I played with a lot of good guys and I, I played. I, for whatever reason, my coaches played me. I got power play time. 
and I stayed healthy. So it allowed me to, to get points um, for whatever reason. I was never invited to any uh, world junior camps. And so I never missed hockey. A lot of the good guys and elite players back in the day were gone, missing games played. Um, but saying that, yeah, that's something I'm extremely proud of. Uh, a lot of good, good hockey players, great players have come through this organization. So um, maybe, you know, a few less points and some more wins or some playoff wins, I might give up. But uh, that's what was my role. And uh, we were joking about it, uh, my dad and I, that when I went to the rink, that was something that I did. I wasn't going to beat you up. I wasn't going to lay a big hit on you on the four check. I had to get points if I was going to contribute to my hockey club. Um, I think I did other things, but if I left the rink and I didn't have a point, I was at least going to take a two-minute hook or a slash at the end of the game <laughs> just to get on the game sheet. And that was part of it. I'm not even being funny. Um, that was I had to get on the game sheet somehow, some way. And so that was Bill Bowler. And uh, my dad made a point of getting that, instilling that into me at a young age is that, hey, we drove all the way here. You tied up, you put some equipment on, you got to do something. You can't just get to the rink and leave. So, um, and I just, before I forget, I, I brought up the Manitoba Moose and I, I'd be remiss not to bring up a gentleman now who's the assistant general manager, Craig Heisinger, who Zinger was a guy at the, uh, he was actually my equipment manager and he fought his way up to management. And he's another guy that I just, uh, I learned a lot from on how he treated players and now how I see the Winnipeg Jets operate their hockey club. Um, I steal or stole a lot of how they uh, handle uh, staff and, and players. So I, I kind of forgot when I mentioned Zinger or when I mentioned Mark Chipman and, and Kitty, uh, Randy Carlisle, I should have added uh, Zinger to that, to that group. So mm -hmm. I apologize. Mm -hmm. They're a huge inspiration on you, obviously, right? 100%. Awesome. Well, this is, uh, this has been fantastic, man. Action pack. Thank you so much. I know you're a super busy guy. So Rob and I are going to shoot up there one time and, and like, we got to go watch the boys play. We have to. So when we're there, hopefully we can actually like meet you, shake your hand and actually say hi yeah. face to face when we're there. 100%. Obviously you're, you're my guest. So you guys tell me what game we're at and maybe I can tell a few better stories about Windsor arena when, uh, when you come to the game. We will 100% do that. <laughs> well, I'm still hoping to get you on because I have like 35 more questions. So. <laughs> I have no, I can answer them. I have no problem. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, we wish you the best success and mm -hmm. uh, your endeavors. Uh, be Being the general manager of the Windsor Spitfires and uh, go Spits, go. Go Spits. Awesome. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. And there he was, folks, Mr. Bill Bowler, absolute legend, all-time leader in points, current GM and beauty, by the way. But uh, I was kind of geeking out because when I was just younger going to the games, Bill was in the thick of it. <laughs> like he was, I just remember going to those pack barns every Thursday night. It was awesome. I loved it. It was a big part of my childhood. If if I'm not wrong, like I, I love the guy, like I thought he'd be funnier, but whatever. But you know, like if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not wear Adam Graves' number? I'm not Was sure. He not number nine. Uh, I'm not sure on that one. That's a, we'll have to look that up. I could be wrong, but I think I got a picture of it. Do you? Oh, huh? yeah, maybe.
and it might have been you know like yeah so yeah he he was a total beaut like uh every minute uh i love i loved it i loved it mm -hmm. and uh he was good to make fun of too like couldn't break <laughs> any guidance record but he could win the scoring title or <laughs> yeah he was funny though points leader awesome yeah. awesome guy awesome dude can't wait to meet him face to face i'll be good especially in the crown royal room <laughs> we'll see if we can get there <laughs> with him but in the meantime we'll move on um the leafs there we got one goalie up one goalie down <laughs> so Marazic's going to be out for four weeks with a groin injury so let me ask you this if if Toronto has sent a bunch of goalies to Detroit, right? Okay. Like Toronto's had goalies go play for Detroit. Yeah. One goalie comes back and, and he's just broken. Well, I like, think he was having that, those type of injuries and stuff when, yeah, uh, I know, I know. Before he even got there. I was surprised I'm that Toronto, e I was surprised Toronto even signed him. Okay. Listen, this is the only reason they can sign him because their team makes so much money yeah <laughs> that jack campbell is i think the top paid goalie in toronto mm -hmm. at seven hundred thousand dollars and speaking of jack campbell he was in the three stars this week as well how about that so how about that how about absolute how about gem i like jack campbell i think he's a great goalie toronto needs to they just got to help him out a little bit more man and then he'll he be works out our at our buddy's gym matt rideout's gym mm-hmm mm -hmm. So might have to do an interview in there with him. <laughs> well, he's already offered uh, us to come in there and do that. But it, that being said, like, so you know how you say uh, pound for pound, this guy's the toughest guy, pound for uh, dollar for dollar, this mm. guy's that guy. Yeah. Jack Campbell and Jason Spezza are the two biggest wheels on this team. That's making it go yeah. forward. And it's a million and a half dollars combined or something combined. between the two of them. Yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. A Just and under a, a million and a half. Math guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ray, man. <laughs> but yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Dave, man. Sometimes it's not on how much you make. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Although I sent that thing in the group and it was like the past 10 leaf goals. It was all Marner, Matthews and Nylander. Yeah. Past That's 10 goals in what? Five games. I don't know, Six, but it was just the last, it was just the last 10 goals that the Leafs scored was all those three. I thought that was a pretty impressive stat to be honest. Well, with you. Not only that, you, these are the guys you're paying. Mm -hmm. what, what are you paying everybody else? Yeah, like, that's true. You know what I mean? Like you get, you get what you pay for. I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. The big story of the day too. Oh, big story of the day. Speaking of Las Vegas, before we talk about Las Vegas, they lost to the Red Wings five, two. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Um, Red Wings played an awesome game. Is that good? Is, yeah. Is that good? They're, they're impressing me. I'll say that, but we won't get they're into impressing that. Me too. We won't get into that right now. The Jack Eichel saga is over, Rob. The Buffalo Sabres have traded Jack Eichel to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So Vegas will get Eichel and a 2022 third-round pick. Buffalo will get Alex frickin' Tuck, who is not too happy on going to Buffalo, apparently. 
Um, the, and the other guy, Buffalo. The other guy was Peyton Krebs, and a 2022 first round pick and a 23 second round pick goes to Buffalo as well. So, who do you think made out in the deal? And by the way, Eichel is going to have the surgery that he wanted to, so he's going to be out three months. Right. So you so, could see him back before the Olympic break. So Buffalo trades their first round pick and Eichel to Vegas. Is that no, what you it said? was? It was a third round pick. Oh, a third round pick. I'm, I apologize. I, pick. I thought you said a first round pick. No, so, the Sabres get a first rounder back. Right, right. And a second round. Yes. The following year or whatever yes. it is. Right. And two okay. NHL guys that are ready to go now. Ready to go. And and ain't nobody want to play in Buffalo. So Alex Tuck was not too happy about it. <laughs> oh, get a better so, agent. Get a well, better agent. It's figure Buffalo. Out, figure out figure out figure out your well, yeah, they're gonna have to figure something out, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. So yeah. in the uh in the meantime, like who who do you think won won the trade? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, I hear whispers about uh, Eichel being a head case. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I can, can, they, they're going to have to get rid of some guys because they can't afford Eichel and all the studs that they got on that team mm-hmm. right now. I, I get that they're hurt, but unless everybody's taking, you deals. just signed a guy that's going to be out for three months. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Vegas won the deal because when he comes back healthy, he's going to come back as hungry as he's ever been. He's not in Buffalo anymore. He doesn't have the weight of Buffalo on him anymore. When he goes to Vegas, he doesn't have that weight. All he has to do is go out and play hockey. And when Jack Eichel goes out and plays hockey, look out, hopefully he's not like that in the room. But if he is, then I'm sure it'll be dealt with. <laughs> it's Las Vegas. They don't care. They'll throw you out of a bus on the side of the road. They don't care. Right? So we've already seen that happen. So I think Vegas wins the trade, but we'll we'll see what happens. Only time will tell. But like I said, Eichel's going to be out for at least three months. But he could be back mid-February. like February. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And definitely we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Before we leave the show, we've got uh, – you got wearing your little poppy there and I'm wearing my support the troops for our troops. You wanted to say something real quick on that, right? Yeah. So my brother, he, he, um, he gave up quite a few years, uh, serving in the military. And we've also had uh, very special guests on here that have served in the military, uh, Joe McLeod, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, Total, total beauties. And, and like, I want to say something about uh, giving, giving money for the poppies. Um, You you don't have to take a poppy every time, but if you have loose change in in your pocket, just, just put it in the box. It Mm. it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to hurt you. It's yeah. loose change. You don't even remember it's there. And, and then, you know, it ends up sitting in a bowl and it, it does, it does whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, these people have, have served your country. These, these men and women, um, um, 
have done amazing things for us. And the reason that we have the freedom that we have is because of them. So um, you people that don't put in, and I don't mean um, anything by it, except for you people that don't contribute. That's mm. all it is. Wear a poppy, put it on your car, have it just in remembrance of those people mm. that have served your country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've had like my uh, my like uncle is like U.S. Air Force. And uh, I got actually a buddy who listens to the show. My buddy, Ryan Livesey, I think he's like, uh, I think he was like Navy and stuff like that. So he's been in on that stuff too. And yeah, like without guys like that, man, we wouldn't be here doing this stuff for you guys. So, right. so, right. so big shout out to anybody serving, has served, will serve in the army, joining the army, whatever you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because without you guys, none of this is possible. Yeah. So on that note, no, 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 wait, one more, one more. And remember it's Movember. Yes, that too. Okay. It's prostate cancer awareness. Whether you shave your mustache or, or whatever you want to do, just remember anytime you come over 50, you need to get checked. Um, there's very simple plans. Talk to your doctors, talk to whoever you need to talk to, but make sure you get checked because mm -hmm. the worst thing you can die from is cancer mm -hmm. and cancer. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I agree. On that note, Rob, I'm going to head out of here. I'm bouncing out. Rob's bouncing out. We're out of here until next week. We'll see you guys. Yeah, I can get behind anything